It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Greetings and salutations on this hump day edition of Sports 56 Mornings. We welcome you in. It's officially the Wednesday, November 8th, 2023 edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues. Great deals. We're getting closer to the holidays. You're looking for some special gifts for those special people in your life check out what they have to offer at family leisure 2120 witten road just north of i-40 and the first hour of the program is brought to you by east memphis ace hardware where you can find just about everything currently 65 degrees clear skies we're looking at sunshine today a little bit of clouds rolling in later in the day high of 66 so not as warm as it was yesterday but very pleasant tonight partly cloudy skies Widely scattered showers possible, but only a 20% chance. We had the chance last night. We didn't get any rain. So, again, just a 20% chance. And then tomorrow, sunshine and clouds mixed with a high near 67 degrees. On the program today, 8.05, we begin a Tigers basketball segment. We'll have a couple of those each and every week. Of course, Matt Dillon, the professor, will be joining us soon for a weekly segment. But Andy Borman will join us. Tigers assistant basketball coach. He'll join us every Wednesday while his schedule allows it. There could be travel situations with the team, but he will be on at 8.05 today and every Wednesday at 8.05. So looking forward to talking to him as the Memphis Tigers get set for a battle at Mizzou on Friday, coming off their initial win of the year, opening night, beating Jackson State on Monday night. At 8.25, Jerry Palm will talk college football, maybe sneak in a little college hoops talk with Jerry. At 9.05, the Michael Cole returns after uh, not being able to be with us last week as we talk Grizzlies. The Grizzlies tonight back at home as they will play host to the Miami Heat. And then at about 9.30, it will be five favorite things, your five favorite movies with a character's name in the title. If you haven't sent in your list yet, if you haven't compiled your list yet, you have plenty of time. Go ahead, put it together, and then send us your list and number the list if you can, one through five, five through one. Hit us up on the Sports 56 listener line by texting in at 901-360-8255. Or you can send your list via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. SportsMemphis.com is the website. That's also ways to hit us up with text questions during open segments. You can call, and it's all that same number, 901-360-8255. Last night, the college football playoff rankings came out for week number two. We will talk about that. Again, the NBA, the Grizzlies back in action tonight. Also, it's the Rockets and the Lakers. And yes, siree, Bob Dylan Brooks is uh, speaking out a little bit about that. We got that on the program today, and uh, got a little bit of University of Memphis football news as they get set for their trip to Charlotte to take on the 49ers for the very first time in their history on Saturday. Eli, how are you today? I'm good. Where did you did you did you say a high of 66 today? That's what it says. You better kick your Doppler a little bit. Look, today, high of 66, and it's 65 right now. I'm just reading. I'm reading the forecast. All I'm doing is reading, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't pretend to play one I predict on it gets radio. closer to 80. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, all I can do is read the forecast I have in front of me. No big deal. If you guys are taking me for uh, you know, verbatim of what I'm saying, reading a damn forecast, then... Um, yeah, it, you're probably making a mistake. I'm doing it because they want us to do it, and it's all I can do is read what's in front of me. So maybe it'll be 80, maybe it'll be 66. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be nice out. It's not November weather. Let's just put it that way. All right, what else you got to correct? Well, I'm just, I, I mean, 15 degrees. I would like to let, um, I, everything I have says 80. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, not, okay. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. Okay, I'm just letting right. the people know that it's going to be probably 80 degrees based on everything okay, I see. That's fine. Again, all right. I'm so not, this isn't I, a criticism of you. I'm just letting I people know, know what the weather will I know. be today. It's, it's just like the technical problems on the broadcast Monday. Again, nothing I can do. 
I'm calling a game. I'm not the technical advisor or the engineer putting together the stuff. I am reading what it says here on Fox 13. All right, so tonight, Dylan Brooks and the Houston Rockets will play the Los Angeles Lakers. And in typical Dylan fashion, he's off and running once again. Although not as critical as he was of LeBron James last year when he was a member of the Grizzlies and called out LeBron for being old and we know what happened there. The Lakers and LeBron James punked the Grizzlies, knocking him out of the playoffs. The Grizzlies opting not to re-sign Brooks. He goes to the Houston Rockets, where he has been quite good. Quite good. Well, tonight, again, it's LeBron and it's Dylan Brooks. Brooks said of LeBron, we are ready to lock him up. He's shooting the ball well. He's been playing well. So I'm just there to make him tired, make him get into that fourth quarter early. Nothing wrong with what he said. But he did go on to say, I feel like he, James, controls the media. I feel like a lot of guys, you know, have these podcasts and love social media, but I don't really like it. I don't really like media. If I didn't have to talk to you guys, I wouldn't talk to you guys. And you know, I just block it out and just play basketball. Brooks is averaging 16.3 points. 4.7 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's shooting the three-point rock extremely well. LeBron, who is 38 going on 25, is averaging 25.3 points, 8.4 rebounds, 5.9 assists for the Lakers, who, by the way, are 3-4. and He said full courting him when he wants to bring it up. That's the game plan. Anytime he's posting up on the block, I'm bumping him. Bumping him on the jog back. If he's guarding me, I'm going to attack him. Just getting him into multiple actions. Dylan Brooks, I think he believes he's on the same plane as LeBron James. Like, pretty similar players. Hey, this year he's playing great. He's playing great. And I've always liked Dylan Brooks. But I am not one to look at the situation with the Grizzlies and say, oh, they should have never let him walk out the door. Obviously, it was Dylan's choice, but he was pushed out. And I agreed with it. And I'm not going to back off now and change um, my opinion of when they made the move. Because hindsight's twenty twenty. We could always change our opinion. But the opinion that we made or that we had when the thing happened, I think, is what's most important. And I don't know what your feelings were. I don't remember your feelings about it. But after what had gone down, everything that was said, that relationship was strained. So they let the guy walk. He should have walked. He's in Houston. He's happy. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. I hated Dylan Brooks from the day he arrived here. So, See, I liked him. I thought it was a great pick to get the guy in the second round. I liked him at Oregon. I liked everything about him, and then he kind of went kooky. And who knows? Right now, it's a marriage made in heaven for the Houston Rockets with Dylan Brooks, but will it continue to be that way? In the meantime, the Grizzlies are back on the hardwood tonight as they play a home game after three straight on the road. They finally got their first win of the year on Sunday against Portland, and they are a one-and-a-half-point underdog to the Miami Heat. The Heat are 3-4. and four. The Grizzlies are 1-6. and six. The injury report reads like a an absolute mash unit of, of injuries with Xavier Tillman day-to-day, with knee soreness, Derek Rose, who's going to be out several weeks with a left knee injury. Obviously, you have Steven Adams out for the year. You have Brandon Clark on the shelf. You have no John Morant. John Conchar is doubtful with right with a right hip strain. Jake LaRavia was, now I don't know how they adjust that, whether or not he'll be there. He probably will be, but they assigned him to the hustle. All kinds of issues injury-wise and absentee-wise for the Grizzlies, but... A lot of positives came out of Sunday. Luke Kennard found his shot. He is pivotal for this team to be successful. Bismack Biombo in his first real game action, his second game he got in at the very end of the Friday Portland game. He looked good. Uh, Will he continue to be able to provide basically, not to the extent of Adams and what he provided, but to some degree what Steven brought to the team? Hard screens, good passes, rebounding the basketball. That's what Biombo does. Will it be enough against the better teams? We'll find out starting tonight against Miami. Yeah, that uh, that injury report, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like 
half the team, then I was like, okay, some of these are G League assignments. <laughs> when I first just saw a bunch of names, I'm like, man, what, did, what the hell happened to this team? It's uh, still like reading War and Peace. We're going to have like eight guys in uniform. I'm like, okay, no, we got we got G League guys in their assignments and various things. So, um, yeah, now it's, yeah, it, it's, it's still, it'd be nice to at least get the guys who are, who can play right now all healthy together. It's one in, one out, seems like every single time. And, the Derrick Rose thing, that's, um, I wonder when we're going to see Derrick Rose again. Um, you know, that, you know, these first 25 games were when you really wanted Derrick Rose. And needed Derrick Rose. And now, I don't know, like, who knows how many of these first 25 games he's going to end up playing in. It doesn't, it doesn't sound good when we get updates on Derrick Rose. Here's the, here's the bigger issue, the bigger picture. And for all the praise and, and, deservingly so, that Zach Klein in that front office has received for some of the moves they've made. They have unfortunately stepped up to the plate and swung and missed an awful lot here lately. Derrick Rose, they took a shot. You're right. If Derrick Rose is not helpful to you for the first 25 games while Jaws, Jaws out, I, I don't know how he helps you out. They signed Kenneth Lofton Jr. knowing they needed another big for the playoffs last year, but they have Junior. They haven't played him a lot. He has gotten in lately because Tillman's been out. But you go ahead and you draft LaRavia, which looks like it's just... Look, we all have opinions. When I saw him play for the first few times, I thought, hey, really? This is the guy? Uh, sometimes I, I completely whiff on those, just like front offices do. But he just never... I never saw anything in him, really, to be honest with you, to be picked where he was. And it seems like now he's in the doghouse. He's low on the totem pole. So that looks like it's a swing and a miss. You know, they moved up with, to get the Roddy pick in the first round. Roddy's solid. Zaire Williams was picked, what, 10th overall a few years ago? I, I still don't know about him. You know, they went out and they got Canard. That was a good move. So they're still making... Some good moves, but they've missed a lot more recently than they did early. Early, they were hitting home runs left and right. Would you agree or not? Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to hit a home run picking second in the draft. Um, well, I don't even mean John Morant. Yeah, um, I don't even mean I mean, John I mean, pick. That's that's the main home run they hit. I mean, they got they got a superstar, uh, but that's one you really couldn't miss on. They made some other good moves. I still I like the Marcus Smart move was a very good move. Um, when you're picking in the 1920 range, you know it, it's not easy. You know, the Brandon Clark draft pick looked really good, but now he's not there, so that hurts. Um, but yeah, it's it it's it's always going to be a crapshoot when you're picking in the mid to late part of the first round. Um, you know the the moving up for Zaire that's still to be determined. Zaire's still very very young, and we'll see where his career goes. Last year was a wasted year; and he's had injury issues, but um, I certainly think there's still a chance that Zaire can become a. I mean, he's already a part of the rotation. He's starting for you right now, um, and he'll be a part of the rotation all year long. Um, is that worthy of the tenth pick? We'll see where his career ends up, but yeah, it, it's. Um, I'm not going to get down on the front office because the moves they've made. I, you know, the, the Lofton thing is very little money, and if at any point in time they decide to get rid of Lofton, who cares? They they've saved that they had to have a big body for the playoffs last year, so they gave him a very minor contract. But you can go back a little bit, and you could certainly make the argument again. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but you can make the argument. Perhaps they never should have let Kyle Henderson walk. They never should have let. The Anthony Melton walk, maybe not even Brooks, even though it was Brooks' decision. He was an unrestricted I, I, free agent. I have no problem with any one of those. You have three no problem moves. with any of the moves. Not, no, not those three guys. Really? Okay, so you, you you're more comfortable with what they have now. In Zaire, I would rather Roddy, have Marcus Smart than Anthony Arabian. Melton. I don't care about Kyle Anderson, and I certainly don't care about Dylan Brooks. Well, they end up in the long run. What two first round picks? In exchange for Laravia, what's it end up being as far as the moves that they made? Uh, for, that ended up being Walker Kessler and Ty Ty Washington. Okay, Walker Kessler, obviously, you wouldn't mind having him right now. Of course, Ty Ty Washington. Mm, jury's still very much out on him, but more than likely, that's a miss. I'm just saying that 
what was always rosy and all we were always talking about all these great moves that they made and they're they're brilliant and I still think very positive positively of that front office. They have whiffed on a few recently and the situation that the Grizzlies are in is not good. It is not good. And we all knew Steven Adams was important. But I don't even know if people realize Steven Adams was this important to the team. I mean, he's an integral part of the team. And who knows after he comes back from, and he's going to have surgery, is it today? Did I read? Today or tomorrow? Yeah, they they sent out that information yesterday. I think think it was today. But who knows what he'll be like when he comes back from that. So you got to start thinking about your future and the bigs. Obviously, you like Jaron at the four. The, the experiment at the five is just not... That doesn't work. He's a four. And whether or not Biombo can kind of put a plug in the dike here with that water coming out, um, we'll find out. We'll find out. Because when Ja returns, they have to make a roster move. And if they keep Biombo, you know, what's the move they make? What's the likely move? If they keep Biombo... You have to cut a player, or a trade is made, but I don't know how many assets, I don't know what you can get. But you would have to cut a player and pay that player. Whether it's LaRavia or Junior. So that is something that they're looking at. That's why these games are extremely important to see if Biombo can be the guy. So far, one for one. Right? We'd all agree. Sunday, he helped them win that game. But again, that's against a Portland team that is one of the worst teams in the NBA. Now, right now, the Grizzlies are one of the worst teams in the NBA. But they will get bigger. They have their best player that will be returning after 25 games. Portland, yes, they lose a rookie in Scoot Henderson for a while, but there's a big difference between a, a rook coming in the league and what John Moran has already produced so far in the NBA. So Memphis goes from the bottom of the barrel, certainly to a team that's competitive. But how competitive? That'll be the question. It's how competitive? And what can they do... For the remaining, what is it, 18 games now before Ja returns? There are games there that are, you look at them and you go, that's that's winnable. You know, Miami is a winnable game. Tonight. Miami always starts the season off sort of slow, and then they pick it up. They get going. You got them at home. Utah comes in on Friday. You lost to them there. But again, Utah is 2-6. and six. You're 1-6. and six. They're not one of the better teams. And then you hit, hit the West Coast which could be a problem. Another trip out west. So, we'll we'll see tonight. I think tonight is a it's an important game early on in the season. You can't fall behind too much and you're already 1 and 6. So, you need to win these games at home. Yeah, yeah, I I mean Miami is a very winnable game. Utah is a very winnable game. Um you'd like certainly would love to you you need to win the home games if you want to maintain something while Jaws out. You you need to win the home games, especially the the winnable ones. You know, losing to Denver at home, okay, that's one thing. Um, maybe even Dallas, but um, you you want to beat some of the other teams. And in Miami last year, they went to the finals, but it they're they're not that good. I mean, they were an eight seed or whatever. They barely they barely got into. They the just playoffs. got hot. They, they got, got hot. hot. I mean, yeah. it's it's it it is what it is. They're they're not. This isn't the Denver Nuggets coming in. This isn't some great team coming right. in here. I agree. So you can win it. Utah is I. I don't think Utah will score 79 first half points against them and make a million threes in the first quarter like they did the other in the other game. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, Utah's not real good. That's a team that on your home floor, even without Ja, you hope to beat. So you certainly got to take advantage of these home games. Otherwise, by the end of this 25 games, you you could be in a real deep hole. Well, I tweeted out on Sunday early in the game against Portland. And then Portland went on a run and took the lead, and it looked like I was going to be wrong, but then the Grizzlies took control and won that game. I said, a Grizzlies team that has Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Marcus Smart, as long as they get production from the bench, they are better than Portland. Portland's terrible. They should win that game. And for a while there, again, it looked like I was going to eat my words, and then they won the game because they got Luke Kennard, hitting shots off the bench. Roddy played well. Even Junior gave him a few good minutes uh, spelling Bismack Biombo. Then Biombo in the starting lineup helped with the big three. And you had monster games from Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. So against the 
teams like Portland, Utah, as long as that bench is is doing their thing, the Grizzlies should be able to win those games. It's against the the better opponents. Do you have enough? And I would say they probably don't for the most part, but it doesn't mean on any given night. First of all, you don't know if a team is playing on the back end of the back-to-backs, if there's some load management going on, are there some key injuries? You have to take advantage of that when teams are a little bit shorthanded. You had Dallas in here without Kyrie Irving playing, but you couldn't beat them. You were close. You played well against Denver, so it's possible to play well. But the first games of the season, Kennard didn't do anything. And then he got, wasn't he out a few games as well? Yeah, with the concussion. So you didn't have the full strength of the bench. You need that bench to participate. So if Biombo's solid and the big three that you have right now without Ja, they do their thing and the bench gives you some support, you have a chance to win. A, I'm not going to say a bunch of these games, but enough games to kind of get back into the race. Right now, it's early. It's seven games in, but you're you're out of it early. But plenty of time to get back into it. Yeah, I'd, my if you could get to ten and fifteen, if they can get to ten and fifteen, let's have a parade. That's sensational. They can get the ten wins. I'm thinking more like eight. But tonight, it starts with Miami. It's a winnable game, as we just talked about here at FedEx Forum. When we come back, we'll talk college football, the college football playoff rankings. Not a ton of changes, especially at the top, but a little bit of controversy nonetheless. Well, folks, this weekend, it's the big event at Genesis Diamonds. If you have not been over to Genesis Diamonds yet, this weekend is an absolutely perfect opportunity for you to get your holiday shopping started or maybe it's not for the holidays maybe you're just thinking about popping the question and uh, getting engaged or you've just got a special occasion come up coming up and you want to get some great jewelry for a special someone well this week this weekend friday through sunday at genesis diamonds they are marking everything down off their already unbelievably low prices when it comes to selection nobody beats genesis they've got all kinds of jewelry when you walk in there just case after case they've got lines of jewelry that nobody else in town has the prices normally are low as can be and they actually guarantee the lowest prices but this weekend they're marking them down even more 20 30 even up to 35 percent off we're talking about engagement rings we're talking about other rings earrings bands bracelets everything you can imagine this weekend, Friday through Sunday, three days of the lowest prices you are going to find. So this is your perfect opportunity, if you have not been to Genesis Diamonds yet, to go experience it for yourself. You will be amazed like everybody else. And this weekend, you'll be even more amazed at the low prices. Genesis Diamonds, located in the Poplar Common Shopping Center, that's Poplar and Perkins Extended. Friday through Sunday this week, everything marked down at Genesis Diamonds. Interesting, by the way, with the weather situation, I looked up the four different TV stations. Two of them had the high at 68, and two of them had the high, like you said, you know, in the low 80s. So some misinformation out there. But you're right. It looks like, uh, according to the super-duper-duper Doppler that we have here uh, in the Family Leisure Studios, it will get into the low 80s and actually a rather high humidity percentage at 88%. That's what you have in store for your Tuesday. Make that your Wednesday. When we come back, we're talking college football. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. Happy hump day to you. Hour number one here on Sports 56 Mornings. Talk some Grizzlies and NBA in our first segment. We're going to get into... The college football playoff rankings from last night in just a moment. Andy Borman, Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach, will join us at 8.05. We'll talk with Jerry Palm at 8.25 to Michael Cole and the Grizzlies at 9.05. And get your lists in for your five favorite movies with a character's name in the title. 
We'll do that at about 9.30. So yesterday I was talking about the Michigan sign-stealing scandal and that whole deal, and I said that there were other schools that said they had stolen or knew of Michigan signs being stolen, but I didn't have all that information. Michigan now says that Rutgers, Purdue, and Ohio State shared Michigan signs in 2022. So they're not really doing much for their defense other than letting Connor Stallions go, but now they're just saying, hey, look, it's going on all the time, and we had our signs stolen as well. So this is there's always a new twist to this with each passing day. The question will be, will something be done before the college football playoff? Uh, maybe, maybe a suspension for the coach. I, I don't see them preventing Michigan from being in the playoff, although we've talked about that. And that you want to you want to stop that from happening. You want to stop from that uh, pretty obvious. Uh, stealing of signals that aren't actually during a game. You want that to stop. You want that to be curtailed. You stop them from being in the playoff. But that's not going to happen. But yesterday, a new twist now, uh, as Michigan says, hey, these these teams in our league, they stole our signals. Yeah. Legally got their signals. They didn't go to games and right. have guys videotaping them. They, I We're trying to say stealing I is stealing I would assume that the way coaching works and there's relationships among coaches on various staffs that mm. especially in you know when you get among rivals and things like that especially if it's if there's it's going to be coaches on one staff sharing information on a, a friend of theirs that coaches on another staff i i would assume that would happen on anything right i'm just talking about hey what did you guys do against them what worked what didn't work that i would assume those conversations happen i, I Again, would it, think so it does not they blatantly broke a stated rule about a scouting here and i it just like last night on the thing like you got Joey Galloway going, I mean, we got to let the due process play out. What due process? Give me one explanation that makes sense of why Connor Stallions is buying tickets at every Big Ten game, and there are people sitting in those seats videotaping the opposite the opposite sideline. There's not. I mean, it's a pretty easy due process. Mm-hmm. What were the tickets for, Connor? I just, we know what they were I for. I just enjoy going to other games. So... You worked for Michigan. You did this. There's no other process that has to play out. The, the investigation is done. Michigan was cheating. The program was cheating. Whether you could say Harbaugh knew about it, Stallions did it by it doesn't matter. He was a part of their staff, a part of their program, mm-hmm. blatantly breaking the rules in order to gain an advantage. I don't know what else you need to find and out. I, and I will not change. My philosophy has always been the buck stops with the coach. He's the CEO. So, yes, if there's going to be penalties, and there probably will be, it's going to go against Harbaugh. Now, I've heard national um, radio hosts say that, why don't they suspend the coach and the coordinators? So the coordinator doesn't step up into the head coaching position, have a position player do it. You know, Maybe that hurts him. I don't know if it does or not. But, look, the buck stops with the CEO. But does it really, really hurt Michigan? Harbaugh didn't coach them the first three games of the year. So even though, it, let's say he's suspended for the Ohio State game, will it make that much of a difference? I, I don't know. It, like Rick Stansbury well, stepped in for Penny Hardaway the other night. Does it make that much of a difference when it's guys who know what they're doing? If you're talking about a novice, you're talking about a guy who's never coached before, that makes a difference. So if you take away the coordinators and the head coach, maybe that puts them in a little bit of a of, of peril. But for the most part, you said yesterday you would like to see Michigan not or, or be suspended basically as a team and not be able to play, participate in the playoff. I think that's a little drastic because, again, you're penalizing these players. And I don't want to go rehash what we talked about yesterday. The players are just getting the information that the coaches have assembled, whether – they don't know how they've assembled that information. They have put together a game plan. They're trying to follow the game plan. They go out there and they try to execute it. I don't want to see those players being penalized for that. But again, Harbaugh being suspended, what does that do? It hasn't hurt Michigan. Well, that's, again, if you don't want to do anything, then don't do anything. And then teams will say, well, well, we could go do this. Exactly. There is no penalty yeah, for Yeah, you it. have to do something, but. And the, the easy how? something is to say, you guys cheated to gain an advantage. 
in games this season. Who knows what would have happened if you didn't do that? We're banning you from the postseason. I guarantee you teams won't do it. No, I. You, if you want something drastic, you do that. And again, I, I don't think I would, would freak out if that's what happened. I just don't like to see the players penalized. We talked about the in-season tournament in the NBA kind of tongue-in-cheek to some extent, but I said, hey, why not put a playoff spot on the line? You want to make this real serious and important, the winner gets a playoff spot, no matter who it is. I guarantee you there's a lot of teams, especially mediocre to bad teams, that would go really, really extra hard to try to steal one and get into the postseason. But instead, you're putting money on the line. Okay, they already have a lot of money. You're going to give them a trophy. Big deal. So it is what it is. They're trying to play it up and make some of these season, these midseason games, although it's early season, more meaningful. I understand what the association is doing. Uh, it's a bottom line business. But if you want to make anything important or you want to curtail things from happening, like that blatant sign stealing outside of the actual game itself, then you do something as drastic as, as what you said. All right. and, and then the other thing, like last night, you got both, I think it was McElroy and I think yeah, I was gonna be, I was and, about to and get Reese Davis yeah. talking about, well, I mean, even if you suspend Jim Harbaugh, that's penalizing the players. And I, I just don't want the players. No, it's penalized. not. Well, what the hell? Like, what? All right, so apparently you cannot do anything to Michigan because the players will be penalized. Hey, sorry. Like, you went to Michigan. You went to a cheating program. You might have to face a penalty for it. If you go to a program and it ends up cheating, you might end up getting penalized. Sorry. I, I, that's, yeah, I, I don't know. It is what it is. I don't know. but Your I, program's I, cheating. I do agree with that. There, there are ways to penalize So in other Michigan. words, we can't penalize any program for any cheating. No, no, no. Because you have the to. kids, it's never the kids who are playing that were a part of it. Theoretically, so like, I, what can you do to a program if if suspending a coach is penalizing the kids? If anything is penalizing the kids, and God forbid we penalize the kids, well, what the hell can you do to penalize anybody for cheating? Well, the players were penalized certainly in the tattoo gate at Ohio State. You know, these are if you if you really believe that the players are in cahoots with the coaching staff on getting those not, signs stolen, saying they're, but they're, then they're, then they're, they're culprits. But they are they're out. I'm telling again, like if every, you just know every play the offense is running on the other side, and you think it's a coincidence, like I, I, I just don't like. Sorry, like this is the way life works. There are people in it. I, if I work somewhere and the owner of the company is doing all kinds of illegal stuff, they may come in and shut down the company. I'm penalized for that. I didn't do anything, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Like that just happens when you work for people or you are under people who do illegal things, you might end up getting penalized for that. Sorry. Well, well, that, that's not a, saying it's your fault. Right. That's just the way it works. That's a good point. But they're not going to shut down this company. They're not shutting down Michigan. They're not taking Michigan's uh, ability away. They could shut them down football. for this postseason. They could take them away from the playoffs. They could do that. And it's a real drastic move. Like I said, I wouldn't freak out if they did that. But I still think that's the ultimate um, penalty against the players where I... I may be naive, but I don't think these players are going in the meetings and saying the coach is like, all right, here's Connor Stallions. He went over and he was at the game last week. He stole all their signs. Here's the signs. Here's what we know. I think these players just given the game plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to try to beat Ohio State. This is how we're going to try to beat Penn State. This stop, the buck stops with Harbaugh. But again, Harbaugh is like a Teflon Don. Yeah, he gets suspended early in the season. He has his family coaching the damn team. That's how easy it is until they play Ohio State or play Penn State. And we'll see what happens with the game against Penn State this weekend. All right, another thing. James Madison University and their powers that be trying to appeal, basically make a plea, but they've already appealed once. They're making this plea to the NCAA Division I Board of Directors to reduce its football program's FCS to FBS transition from two years to one year. They are undefeated. They feel that they are being penalized too harsh, although they did know the rules of the transition that it's going to be two years. The Dukes are undefeated. They want to be eligible to compete in a postseason bowl game. And who knows, possibly a New Year's Six as the representative from the from the group of five. It's possible. I don't think they will be given uh, the green light. I think their plea or this, I guess, second appeal, if you will, will be denied. But I can understand their plight. And you and I have both said on occasions that it's stupid. The whole transition thing is stupid. 
and yeah, I mean, and as I said yesterday when I brought this up, like the NCAA doesn't usually just change its mind for the hell of it. They were told no in April. I'm sure they'll be told no now. Well, supposedly there were there, there's things that you have to do, concrete things you have to do in the transition period. And they say that they've done it in the one year and don't need the two years to do it. But again, I don't believe that the NCAA is going to turn around and grant them that. Now, if they do, then all of a sudden, James Madison's a player again in that whole group of five scenario. We talked about the University of Memphis, that they're still not out of it. They are still very much in the conversation. They have to do damage the rest of the way. They have to win all their games. They have to get some help. They got to win in the conference championship over Tulane, but it's not out of the question. And oh, by the way, the depth charts out for the University of Memphis for their game against Charlotte. We still don't know anything other than Seth Hennigan and Blake Watson are day-to-day. They are both listed. The quarterback position and the running back position on the depth chart is listed with the word or. So you have Seth Hennigan or Tevin Carter, Blake Watson or Sutton Smith or Brandon Thomas as far as the running backs. So last night, the college football playoff rankings came out for week number two. Ohio State one, Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four. Same four. Washington five, Oregon six. Still the same. Texas seven, Alabama eight. Ole Miss moves up to number nine. And then Penn State rounds out your top 10. Louisville 11, Oregon State 12, Tennessee 13, Mizzou 14, Oklahoma State 15. And then some other schools of note, LSU 19 from the SEC and Tulane from the American at number 23. The controversy seemed to be, you mentioned Greg McElroy, seemed to be ignited by McElroy uh, on Twitter and then responded by a lot of different people and a lot of people in the business. So when Greg McElroy came out and talked about the inconsistencies of the rankings, and especially with the one-loss teams, as he looked at Oregon's strength of schedule and said, how are they the number one one one-loss team? Texas and Alabama should both be ahead of them. Stuart Mandel comes back at McElroy, tweets out, Greg McElroy is planting the seed that a one-loss Alabama should be ranked higher than a one-loss Oregon, knowing that that might be the exact debate for number four if both went out. McElroy responds, your tweet is questioning my professionalism, Stu. You are better than that. I want consistency. If Ohio State is number one because of their resume, then we should use resume to evaluate the other teams as well. Therefore, Texas should be the highest ranked one-loss team. What do you think? Yeah, I thought McElroy made good points on the thing about Oregon. Um when you look at it, um, their wins are not great, and I it kind of opened my eyes. I, I went back. I looked. I was like, I, I didn't. I, I hadn't realized like that their wins in the end because Colorado's not ends up not being a very good win. Um, they got one win over a team over five hundred, and that's Utah. So I mean, it is it just one? I thought it was two. I think it's just the one. Okay. Um, but so I. But that's not good either way. You know, and they do so, and it so it seems like Oregon. And even in my mind, I give Oregon a lot of credit for the loss that they have because of the way it was on the road against a really good team. But so I, I could certainly understand the argument that those either Texas, Alabama, both of them, you could very well make the argument that they should be ahead of Oregon. I have I have no problem with that argument. I also have no problem with Oregon. And again, it's all like getting into these really big arguments on the second week of the rankings like this is going to play out like so like it's like we're we're debating stuff that is not going to matter because we're all they're all going to play more games and then we're going to get to see the full resume in the end and then rank them based on that i know yeah, we but got, they have a show to fill i i get it I, and again <laughs> I, I understand that but like continuing it on twitter and everything else like you're you're questioning my professionalism well, like it's the second week of the rankings let's Let's see what happens. And then there may not even be any arguments to be made. It may be clear what the top four teams are and who cares. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think McElroy made some good points. I, I think it um, there are certainly points to be made. And I think there's always, when they haven't played the full schedule, there's always going to be points to be made. And, sure. and any argument that you apply or any reason you apply to why this team's ahead of that team, you'll probably be able to go down the rankings and find two others that go, well, if that's the way you're going, mm-hmm. well, then mm-hmm. this one should be ahead of this one. Mm-hmm. and then But then you could go, well, but that would mean this one should be ahead of that one. And you end up just talking yourself into a circle. I mean, the committee, 
in the end, has to find a way to put these teams in order. I don't know what's all being discussed in there and what their things are. I have no problem with Ohio State being number one. I have no I have no problem with any of the order, really. Is there arguments that could be made that you they could be different? Absolutely. But that's any ranking. There's always going to be an argument to have things different. Yeah, I think we're nitpicking right now. I, I think the committee's done a really nice job. I can understand what McElroy said. He did make some good points. But again, Oregon and Washington went down to the wire. Oregon on the road has a loss. Washington is number five right now. So their loss was to Washington. Texas and Alabama a little bit behind them. Obviously, Texas beat Bama. Okay? So you can make the argument, certainly, that Texas should be ahead. Maybe even Bama. But I, I'm fine with this. I'm fine. And yes, it's all going to play out. But these are points to discuss on shows like ours, on certainly shows like the one Greg McElroy's on. Uh, but it is interesting that it bled over to Twitter and then, you know, Mandel kind of going at McElroy, McElroy coming back at Mandel as he felt like his uh, professionalism was was put up in, uh, you know, for um, debate by his opinion. It's just his opinion. It's no big deal. I thought, again, the committee did a solid job. It will... And it normally plays out perfectly because I love, I say it all the time, I love chaos. I want to see chaos. I want to see five or six legitimates trying to get in the four spots. And remember, this is the last year for this. We go to 12 next year. It's going to be a lot less debate. Yeah, you might debate the 13th team. Who cares? We're talking about here five or six. If there are five or six battling for four, I want to see how... The criteria is used to break that one down and to get those four teams. But it normally works out where it ends up being up. There's the four that should be in. But right now, there's no reason to go crazy on the college football playoff committee. I think it's fine. Yeah, exactly. This hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. That's where you'll find East Memphis Ace Hardware. When you're there, you're going to find all kinds of great stuff from the big green egg and all the accessories to the great selection of paints and all the supplies you need for whatever project it is you're doing around the house. They've got you taken care of a great staff that can help you uh, not only figure out what it might be that you need to get that project done, but make sure they have it. If they don't have it, they get it for you very quickly. They can order stuff. Very, very great. They're just great people to deal with, and they know the business. You walk in there and ask, hey, I'm looking for this. They're going to be able to take you right to it and show you exactly where it is. Great staff to work with over at Ace Hardware. Everything you need for all of those projects. Good corner to the White Station and Quince, East Memphis, Ace Hardware. All right, we got some folks who want to chime in on the college football playoff topic. We'll get to your calls and texts when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. We've been talking about the college football playoff rankings. Week two of the rankings coming out last night. Let's get to your calls at 360-8255. Mike's up first. Hi, Mike. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Doing well, thank you. Hey, I have a, I think a, uh, thinking of the words meaningful, and I hate to say something is meaningless, but to make this NBA uh, uh, in-season tournament, I think it should be played for the number one pick in the draft. All 30 teams, all organizations, will be absolutely 100% bought in. And from that point on, everybody else is playing for number two. Hey, I don't mind that. I really don't mind that. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for the call. Uh, not on the college football playoff subject, but as far as what he's saying, along the lines that I talked about earlier, put a playoff spot on the on the line. Make it significant other than these guys are making more money. They're already rich. No, do not do it for the number one pick. No. <laughs> Just... Put some more significance to it. I think it will be tweaked as the years go by. Because right now, this doesn't... Come on. You think this does anything extra for the average fan other than they got a different colored court? No, I don't. And I don't know how much the... I don't know what the NBA is looking for out of it. But yes, I'm sure it'll be tweaked and things like that. But, I mean, you're talking about four games, basically, um, to determine the stuff. Like, you're not playing for the number one pick. Plus, you know who's going to win this? The good teams. Right, but you have 20 teams 
right? You have six playoff teams in each conference and then the four in the play-in. So there's 20 teams involved somewhat in postseason. Put one spot on the line. I don't think that's too much to ask for. I, I would be fine with that. Again, okay. The team who wins it is probably going to be. It probably make the will. It anyway. probably will be. But, but the number if, one pick? Hell no. But how about if Detroit made a run or or this Portland team made a run and they got in a, into at least the play-in because they won the in-season tournament? That gives it significance. All right, let's get back to the college football playoff discussion. Gar is next. Hey, Gar. How you doing, fellas? Doing hey, well, Gar. thank you. All right, I got, you know, I don't think the subjectivity will ever come out of it. Uh, I'll throw one at you. What if Georgia loses to Ole Miss this week? Yeah, that that, that would, will be a big debate. About what what will they be ranked? Ole Miss will not surpass them in the rankings. No. They're not going to go from nine to, I, I would venture to say Georgia would still be in the in, in fourth. Not if there's the four undefeated. If there's still four undefeated, they would be the top four. Would, Georgia might be at number five. They would probably drive to five, but here's the thing. If Georgia then, which they probably still win the East, assuming they beat Tennessee, and then they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, they'll still go to the playoffs. They'll still go to the playoffs. Yeah. And, and Ole Miss, they kept saying before the year started, they had the toughest schedule in the, in the, uh, in the country. And you know they would be they would be overlooked in that. Yep. I don't Thank know. you, Garth. Actually, I don't know Appreciate how it. they would do that. They're, they're, how they would rank Alabama, Ole Miss, Georgia would be very interesting in that. I don't know how they would do that. Ole Miss would not win the East. I would not be they surprised. They would not be in, in the SEC case. championship game. I would game. not be surprised if they would in that not be in the situation. Playoffs. Everything else, like everybody else, wins what they're supposed to win. Mm-hmm. Um, that Ole Miss actually did jump Georgia. That Ole Miss would end up at five or six. It might go Alabama, or it might go Oregon stay at five, Alabama six, Ole Miss seven, Georgia eight. Yeah, it may it may indeed have that effect for the weekly rankings. But when it came down to it, Alabama would still win the East. They'd play Georgia, and that winner would be in the playoff. Because the 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 fact that that game is at Georgia, if Ole Miss wins at Georgia, Mm -hmm. I think Ole Miss probably does leap Georgia. Yeah, I mean, you still have, obviously, Michigan playing Ohio State. Michigan first has to get by Penn State this weekend. There's still a lot of things uh, that can happen. And still the possibility of Washington and Oregon playing in a rematch in the Pac-12 championship. So a lot to go. But, again... This is what happens with the weekly rankings. We have debate on where the teams are currently. Joe is next. Hi, Joe. Hey, guys. Just a quick comment on power rating versus resume. Um, I think when you're doing an AP poll at the beginning of the year, you have to power rate them. As the season wears on with the CFP, et cetera, you have to go resume because what what happens on the field has to matter. Even if I think all three of us probably, if you said – we're going to replay – my wife's a Texas fan, but we're going to replay Texas-Alabama. We're going to replay Oregon-Washington. I probably – I think we probably take Oregon and Alabama the way they've been playing since. But it has to matter on the field. It will eventually get worked out. You know, take the year after Florida State won the championship. They were undefeated with Winston, but they were sneaking by teams. TCU last year had an awesome season, but a lot of very close wins, frankly – the Michigan game, Michigan had so many turnovers in the red zone. Like I feel like Michigan should have won that game, and then it played itself out in the championship. So sometimes you do have these teams that um, get the wins that they required of, like the TCU, like the Florida State, where you Vegas might have them as the sixth best, seventh best team in the country. But ultimately, you do have to go with resume and what happens on the field. Absolutely, you have to re- reward them for that. Thank you, Jeff. Joe. Appreciate it. So this week. You have Ole Miss and you have Georgia. You have Michigan and you have Penn State. Who does Ohio State play this week? I'm trying to find the schedule. Are they, uh, do they have a bye this week? They bite. I don't know. Okay. So Ohio State is given the credit for beating Penn State and Notre Dame. And they deserve the credit. I have no problem with them being number one. If Georgia beats Ole Miss after just beating Missouri and Michigan goes into Penn State and handles Penn State, couldn't you see both those teams leap in Ohio State? Uh, I think if Georgia wins this week, especially if they do it convincingly, um, I think they will 
jump Ohio State. I don't know about Michigan. Because the thing is with Michigan, they don't have to jump Ohio State. You just leave it because they're going to play each other. And then at that, we'll sort those two out. So if you're the committee, you don't have to, you just, you don't have to worry about, oh gosh, this is two versus three or three versus, which one's two, which one's three. Well, we're, we're going to figure it out at the end anyway because they're going to play each other. Yeah, but you don't have to do that. But that, the point is that you do need to do that because that's what your job is. You have to put the, the teams in order, not knowing, not even thinking about what's going to happen. They're going to play each other down the road. You have to gauge on the resume, as Joe just said, of what has happened up to this point. And all I'm saying is, and I can easily see Ohio State still ahead of Michigan, but that means both Michigan and Ohio State will have beaten Penn State. You could still say, well, Ohio State's got the win over Notre Dame. Notre Dame just got crushed by Clemson. Notre Dame may not be as big a win for Ohio State, but they did go to South Bend. I think they would still keep Ohio State ahead of Michigan. But I could see the jump, and I wouldn't have a problem with the jump. I think you're right, though. For Georgia, if they beat Ole Miss, which comes in at number 9 this week, after just beating Missouri and still Tennessee on the horizon, I think Georgia can easily jump Ohio State for number 1. The, the thing is, Georgia, as we've all known, like Georgia, this is the tough stretch of Georgia's schedule. This is where they gain their—this is where their resume has the opportunity to gain on Ohio State's. Because now they're playing the good teams. They're playing the ranked teams that are on their schedule yeah. in this stretch. We don't know what the gap is in their minds between Ohio State and Georgia. We have no idea. But I would guess that if Georgia gets another win, you know, what when Missouri come in, Missouri was at what number? Missouri's number 14. Yeah, so if they follow up a win over the number 14 team with a win over the number 9 team, I'm going to guess that probably gains them. That will be... To win, you know, especially if Penn State loses to Michigan, Penn State will be behind probably both of those teams. Mm-hmm. And so then you're going to be talking about Georgia having two wins better than Ohio State's best win. Right. And we know, and this is further down the top 25, but Mizzou's 14, Tennessee's 13. Obviously, if Mizzou beats Tennessee, they're going to jump Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Doesn't take away the significance of that Georgia-Tennessee game because we know how significant it is. Georgia needs to win that game. But Tennessee will be ranked a little bit lower than what they would be if they win. And they still have a chance, obviously, to go into Columbia and win that football game. All right, we need to take a break. We'll come back. Hour two, we will open up with uh, Tigers basketball talk. Andy Borman, Tigers assistant coach, will be joining us every Wednesday at 8.05 to talk Memphis Tigers hoops. And that begins today. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.